Love Talk Radio. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God, he loved me and I knew him. And all my love is new here. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me. With his redeeming blood. Praise God. He loved me and I knew him. And all my love is to him. Watch me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. I heard about a mansion he is built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God! He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is new. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. Amen. And what a glorious day it was on November the 1st, 1975, when at bedtime I knelt there on my bed and trusted Christ as my Savior. Amen. And got the victory that night. I didn't understand what that meant for years fully, but I knew I was saved. I just didn't know what all saved meant. And you learn that as you grow as a believer. But I thank God I got it settled that night. Praise God. Good to be with you this morning. Amen. Good to see everybody. Amen. Thank God it's not raining. Amen. Praise God. Take a little victory everywhere I can. Amen. But uh, 
glad the ground got wet anyway. I mean, it's sufficient, praise God. But anyway, it's good to be in church. Uh, just want to mention, I'll pray for my wife. She's She's got some issues with her health that she deals with from time to time, and it's due to her having Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease. And anyway, she's just having a real rough morning, but y'all please pray for her. She's just hurting all over. But um, anyway, um, other prayer requests this morning. Miss Charlotte? Yes, ma'am. How's your foot? You hobbling? Yeah. Amen. Alicia hobbling. Yes, yeah. Scott? I remember praying Brother Byron. Yeah. He was in the ER. I know some of y'all got text messages. He was in the ER. That was Friday, wasn't it? Thursday. Thursday. But anyway, and, they, and he said they give him medicine. It's colitis. And, and uh, anyway, but he got medicine for it. He's supposed to go back on Monday. Uh, Grant's going to the doctor on Friday. And uh, y'all pray that God uh, that God gives gives them some options there as to what to do, some good options. Pray for pray for uh, his healing, you know. And I always go I always go back to I always go back to my friend Richard Miller. And I know I've told this story before, but I'm gonna tell it again. And he told me, you know, he went to get tumors, I had tumors all in his sinuses and they were gonna they were gonna have to go in there and try to see what they could do. And they cut his face completely off and put it in a pan as they're going in. They they had been looking at him the day or day or two before on the, on the X-rays and things, and, and uh, I mean the MRIs and things, and uh, they cut, took took his face off and went in there and it was gone, just wasn't there. God just healed it, took it out of there, and He can do that, Amen. And I believe that, I know that He's able, and uh, you know, I just you know I, I I see the kind of man that Brother Miller is and how he's willing to just do whatever he, you know whatever God wants and. And I see that same kind of man in Grant, and I and I don't see why God won't give him healing too. And I know that God is able, so let's we just need to pray night and day, petition God's throne, bang on the doors of heaven. Say, Lord, this is what we're asking for for Jesus' sake. So you pray for Grant's healing. Um, anybody else? Anything else this morning? Yes, Dan. Okay. All right. Amen. Good for y'all. Good for y'all. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'll be. I'm, I told. I said this morning. Who did I tell? I told you and Byron. Uh, but next Sunday, we're, we're going to have our regular uh, end of the month fellowship meal after service, and uh, so we plan to do that. I don't know if it's food. We just didn't pot luck again. What we did? Okay. Um, I'll. Okay. Yeah, an item and a dessert. There we go. <clears throat> if you got any more questions, you can funnel them to Bonnie. She'll got answers. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you'll find them anyway. But uh, 
and then Sunday afternoon I'll be leaving and going to Mansfield, Louisiana. Last year I went to a Bible conference down there, and uh, it was such a blessing, such a help and encouragement to me. So I'm going back this year, and I'll be gone. I'm going to be gone Sunday night through Wednesday night. So I won't be here Wednesday night. I told Grant, I said, if he feels up to doing a, a lesson on Wednesday, then y'all will meet. If he doesn't feel up to it, then y'all just won't meet Wednesday night. So, so anyway, y'all pray. Y'all pray about that. Pray for him and and uh, Lord are just leading that. So, anything else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. The Lord knows the cry of our heart before we ever open our mouth. Thank God for that. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us and and let's pray and ask God to bless the service today. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You be seated. about I heard about a mansion he's built for me in glory. Let's just go and sing about it. Amen. 84. Mansion over the hilltop. Praise God. 84. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below a little silver and a little Where we'll never 
Just 
bleeding side. 166. 166. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. God of this world, delusory, I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Nothing between life's worldly pleasure. Habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all, there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Nothing between like pride or station. Self or friend shall not intervene. Though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved there's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. So that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between, nothing between, even many are trials. Though the whole world against me convened, Watching with prayer and much self-denial. I'll triumph at last with nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. So that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing be between. Amen. Praise the Lord. Love me that I love and hold dear 
this morning. We'll take our Bible, turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. That's where we'll take our text from this morning. I don't have a bunch of points for you this morning. I basically have one chapter, and that's chapter 21. Don't let that scare you. We'll go quickly. But there are some things we need to flesh out of this chapter. Uh, There's some there's a lesson for us. That song, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior, very much flows into this chapter. The Remind Me, Dear Lord, very much flows into this chapter. Let me get my microphone on, and that will help. Amen? There we go. Good deal. Now Brother Byron can hear, and everybody out on the Internet can hear. Amen. And we're thankful for those who are listening by way of the internet this morning, and I hope we're a blessing to them. I hope we're a blessing to you, and uh, I'm not going to read the chapter and then pray. I'll just pray, and then we'll read. How about that? Let's do that. Let's go to the Lord and word of prayer this morning. Father in heaven, I ask you this morning for your mercy. I ask you for your grace. I ask you for your power. 
ask you, Lord, to move in our midst and move, Lord, over the airwaves as people hear this message, Father, far and wide, Lord, around this 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 uh, world we have, Father, and Lord, we have listeners all over the place, all over in all different countries, and Father, what a blessing it is to have a voice to reach out that far, and Lord, what a responsibility, Lord, has been laid upon me to preach, Lord, and I pray, Father, that you'll give me all the power, because Lord, I know that I am weak, and I have nothing without you, and I need you. Lord God, I can't do what you want me to do. You have to do it through me. Father, so I put myself as best I know how in your hand. I ask the best I know how for your power, the Holy Spirit, to work through me and every fiber of my being and all my members, control my mind, control my tongue, control my heart, control everything. Lord, I pray, Father, that every one of us, everyone, me and everyone listening, would willingly, on purpose, yield ourselves to your Spirit, Holy Ghost of God, working us today. Lord, draw us back, Lord, into a, into a relationship that you want us to have. Lord, into one that suits you, not just suits us. Father, I pray you'd show us that we need you so much. And Lord, that no matter what's happened, no matter how far we've fallen down, no matter how big we've blown it, there's restoration. There's still a usefulness. Help us to see that now. Speak to us this morning, I pray. Forgive our sins, cleanse us, and fill us with your spirit now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. John chapter 21. Last Sunday we were in John chapter 20, over in verses 19 through 23, which said the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, even as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. And we talked the week before about him appearing to Thomas. So we're not, going to, we're not going to discuss that which comes next. And then we get down to chapter 21 now. In another gospel, these disciples have been told to go to Galilee and wait there. And that's what they've done. Seven of them are there in Galilee told to wait for the Lord. And let's read. Let's go ahead and read this morning. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise he showed himself. Now, before we get into this chapter, I want to read you two other passages. Uh, one in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17. This is Peter writing later on, and here's what he said. And he's not referring to this incident, but he's referring to backsliding. And he says there in verse 17 of chapter 3 in Second Peter, Ye therefore, beloved... Seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. That's a whole different Peter than you find in the Gospels. The Peter you find in the Gospels is, is impulsive. He, he, he's got a mind and a will of his own, and he often thinks he knows what God wants before God even tells him. 
and he he's jumps at things and usually ends up in a mess because of his impulsive behavior. And here he is saying, Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Now, why did he say that? It's because he fell from his own steadfastness, did he not? This is a man speaking from experience. This is a man talking about something he knows about. I remind you what the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 31 and 32, where Jesus says this to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He told him that shortly before they got to Jerusalem for the very last week of his life, I do believe. He said, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That's the, that is the central part of our message this morning is about Peter's restoration. He, we know he messed up. We know he, 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 uh, he blew it. And, and we're going to see how Jesus handles Peter. And we need to remember as we're looking at this, God deals with his children with love, mercy, and compassion. And no matter what's happened in your life, no matter even if it hasn't happened yet, something does happen to you and you find yourself distant from God, I want you to know that God still loves you and that God hasn't given up on you, even though you may be struggling. Maybe this has nothing to do with anybody in this room, but there may be a dozen people out listening on the airwaves and this will hit right between my eyes. So though you may be like, well, this ain't really speaking to me this morning, realize there's a lot of people you know who are in this situation. And if we're nothing but a conduit to carry this message to them, then that's why God has you here this morning. So, again, this message all being all about Peter, let's look there in chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that being James and John, and two other of his disciples. Don't know who they were. It doesn't really matter. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Now, I want to address that, that phrase there, I go a-fishing, and I've done it before, I've talked about it before, but it is a, it's a Koine Greek word, hypago. I called it hupago, but I looked it up and I listened to it and I was wrong. It's hypago. But the word literally means to withdraw oneself. Now, I want you to realize, the angel of the Lord told them that Jesus wanted them to go to Galilee and wait for him there. He didn't say, go to Galilee and get on your fishing boat and the Lord will show up when you're there. That's not what he said. He said, go to Galilee and wait for him there. But they got there, and I'm sure Peter went to thinking, you know, my boat's just right out there. Man, I'm... I'm ashamed of myself. This kind of, I've been thinking on Peter and what Peter must have had going on in his heart and mind 
during this time. He's already seen the Lord. Don't, don't think he hasn't seen the resurrected Lord in visible form. He knows Jesus is resurrected. He knows it's real, but yet he at the same time is so defeated. He's like a deflated football. I mean, he's just got nothing left in him. He's there, but there's shame on him. He's failed God. He's blown it. He's fell down in front of everybody else and before God, and he feels absolutely destroyed and defeated. So there they are. They're sitting there days, and I don't know how many days it was, but they must have been there at least uh, several days, and, and time's passing so slow. All he can do is sit and think about all he did wrong. That's what we do. You know that, right? When we've done, when we've really blown it, all we do is sit and regret what we've done. So I'm, I'm sure Peter's no different than any of us, and he's been sitting there for days mulling over his disaster and how God must be done with him and how, how there's no point in sitting here because when Jesus gets here, he's surely going to tell me, well, you messed up and that's it. So he said, you know what, fellas? I'm going to the boat. I can't sit here and twiddle my thumbs any longer. I'm going to do something I know how to do. I don't know how to sit here and wait. But I do know how to fish. And you know what? We've been walking around with Jesus. And God's people have been providing our needs. We haven't had to work for three years. It's been, it's been charity that's been given to us. And, you know, our meals have been provided. And we've not had to worry about a thing. Jesus has taken care of everything. And now here we sit and there ain't no job. There ain't nothing. What are we going to do? I'm going fishing. I don't know what y'all are going to do, but I'm going fishing. I know how to fish. I don't know where we go from here, but I'm going back to the boat. And they all shuffle their feet, kick some rocks around, look down at their shoes or sandals and looked up at him and said, well, if you're going, we're going too. And that's basically how it happened. Now notice what Jesus said to him. But when thou art converted, strengthen my brethren. Well, he wasn't strengthening, was he? He was weakening. All right? So, the Bible says they went, they went forth. They went forth and they entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Nothing. Not a single tadpole. Not a minnow. Not nothing. They caught zilch. Not a. Every time they pulled that net up, they just went, what is going wrong? I know there's fish out there. They fished at night. Fishing's better at night. Any fisherman will tell you that than it is in the day. There's disruption. There's all kinds of things during the day. At night, it's peaceful and quiet. The fish can feed. Man, they're hungry and they're ready to eat. And they should have caught nets full of fish, but they caught nothing. You know there was a mood of disappointment on the boat. Think about it. I mean, uncertainty filled the air, folks. They couldn't catch a fish. Here they are. They're fishermen. They can't catch a fish. I think about Mark 6, 48, where, where the Bible said he saw them toiling and rowing. When Jesus had sent them out on the Sea of Galilee and he, took, he went apart to pray, and he looked out across the sea and he saw them out there toiling and rowing, where the wind was contrary unto them. I thought about that. You know, I heard a message on that one time called Rowing and Sailing. Once Jesus got in the boat, they stood rowing. They sailed on from then. But listen, they sat there all night just rowing and rowing and rowing and got nowhere. And that's what we are when we try to do things independent of God's power and his, and his will and his, and his help. 
We're, we're, we're powerless. Jesus said that. Y'all know what it says in John 15, 5. He said, I'm the vine, here are the branches. He said, abideth in me, which means he draws all his power and all his source for everything from me. He's knit to me. I'm his life's blood. I'm his source of everything. And the person that is, that is bound to me like that, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Because it's him working in us. It's not us working independently of him. It's him doing it through us. For without me, he said, you can do nothing. And he means that. It don't mean a little bit. He means what he said, nothing, literally. So here they were out there. Thought they could fish. Thought they, hey, we're good fishermen. We forgot. It's only been three years. I mean, good night. How hard is it to fish? It's all the net. You pull the net back. But nothing. Which tells me this. You know what? We can be toiling away for hours. We're just a few feet away is God's provision if we'll just listen and shift our focus to where God wants it instead of where we think it ought to be. You can be you can toil in a church for years and not do it in God's power. It's true. You can waste your time. I mean, you might say, well, I'm doing something good. Are you? If God's not in it, you're not. Amen. I know that sounds hard to hear, but the truth of it is we can't do anything without him and God said it. In verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. <coughs> now, you say, well, that's because he was in a resurrected body, but I dare say it was, it was twilight, early morning. They're about 100 yards from shore, probably some fog in there, early morning there at the seashore. Hard to tell who's that standing over there on the seashore. But Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? Did y'all catch anything like that? In other words. And they said unto him, I mean, they, they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Well, catch them down on the right side of the ship, and you shall find it. And that may sound, well, it's unusual for him to say, but not really. Y'all ever been out, y'all ever been fishing? You ever been fishing where there's lots of people fishing around? Somebody, somebody, somebody's been catching fish. They see somebody fish. They say, hey, throw it over there. That's where the fish were. You know what? People don't mind. They really need to throw it over there. They ain't got no problem throwing it over there. If that's where the fish was biting, that's where my lure needs to be, right? Okay. That wasn't unusual for that to be said to them. And they cast the net, therefore. And now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. You know, it reminds me of Luke chapter 5, when Jesus first came in contact with the sons of Zebedee and with Simon Peter. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, here's what it says. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. That was Peter and, and, and James and John and all them. I mean, they, they're washing their nets. They're getting ready to put everything up. He entered, he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and talked to people out of the ship. Had good acoustics there, the voice bouncing off the water and everything. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. Have taken nothing. Does that sound familiar? I think it does. Nevertheless, 
thy word, I'll let down the net. And when this they had, and when they had done this, or when they had this done rather, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, so they would come and help them. And they came, and they filled both the ships, so that it began. They began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, "Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord." For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draw of fish which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men, not fish. From here on out, what are you going to do? You're going to catch men. That's your job. You're not a fisherman anymore. You're a fisher of men now. Okay? God had come into his life. When God moves in, you're never the same again. Amen? You are changed. You're a new creature. You're not the same. So guess what? Simon is not the same anymore. He may say, well, I'm going back to fishing boats. I'm going to go back to something I know. I'm going to go back and do something that I know I can do. Mm-hmm. Didn't work that way, did it? Verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto, said unto Peter, It's the Lord. I guess so. Hey, remember what happened last time? This is not, this ain't no stranger. This is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Now, I heard a great message that I took notes on years ago. I'm going to give you those notes real quick because I thought it was so good. Peter was backslidden, right? Y'all agree with that? Well, let me tell you, this, this is how you backslide, okay? First of all, you say, it can't happen to me. What did Peter say? Lord, everybody else forsake you, not me. I'll go all the way to death with you, Lord. I promise you, I know, I'm, oh, I ain't going nowhere, Lord. That's why it can't happen to me. Well, you don't know how long I've studied the Bible in the there. You know, you get people that are getting nothing. Intelligent voice, because they're scriptural and spiritual. Look down their nose when they talk. But I've been around people like that. And I've seen some of them people fall down too pretty hard. I've seen men who bragged on their holiness fall down flat. Had one that told me, he's sitting there, we're sitting there having a conversation. He looked at me and said, Brother T, I'm dry behind the ears, boy. He's he still wet behind the ears. I'm dry behind the ears. I done, I done figured it all out, what he was saying. I got enough experience under my belt. It wasn't very long after that it come out what all he'd been doing. And he'd been making a horrible mess. And I ain't got to go into the details, but he absolutely ruined himself. Can't happen to me, though. No, I walk with Jesus. Hey, it can't happen to me. I'm one of his 12. Can't happen to any of us. So what happens? You quit. Uh, it can't happen to me. That's the first thing. The second thing, you quit praying. Remember, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, "Watch with me." What they do? Go sleep. See, he said it can't happen to me. Well, what did he do? He gave up on Jesus in the garden. He quit. He quit praying. Then what happened? Well, Jesus got arrested. And you know what happens? You follow afar off after that. After you give up praying, you say it can't happen to me. Well, you begin to slide. You say, I ain't going to follow as close as I used to. The next thing happens, you sit down with the enemy. 
That's what he did right outside, right outside uh, the, tri- the mock trial. He sat down with the enemy. And what happens after that, you begin to warm yourself by the devil's fire. It doesn't seem an offensive place to you anymore because you've gotten back away from God. And the things that offend God don't offend you as bad when you start following afar off. So, so you're sitting there and you're warming yourself by the devil's fire. And then you deny Jesus. Now what happened? You one of his, aren't you? I'm not one of his, I tell you. You deny the faith. Oh yeah, yeah. Your speech betrayeth you. Oh no, no, I ain't one of his. I'm telling you now. You deny the Jesus. You deny the faith. You deny the church. He cussed and swore. He said, "I ain't one black and black. I ain't one of his. I ain't one of them." So you said, "I wasn't going to ever do that." Now you find yourself denying everything you ever knew. Start cussing and swearing to prove you ain't part of that. And then what do you do? You go back to the old life. Go back to the old life. Go back to something I know, boys. Then what? You take your clothes off. Suddenly your standards you used to have when you walk with Jesus ain't the same standards anymore. And you just strip them down to your underwear out there in front of God and everybody catching fish because it don't matter anymore. I don't believe he was completely naked. That would have been offensive to all the Jews around him. But I believe he was down to his skivvies. And then you just go back to your old way of life, your old business. And that's exactly where Peter found himself as he was bringing up dry, empty net. Well, they weren't dry, but empty net after empty net. He had backslidden so fast, and he said, I'll be the one that never will. Let he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Amen. But a positive note about Peter, I will say this, I will give him this much. I see his eagerness, though, to come to Jesus even in his guilt, even in his shame. What did he do? He girded his, his outer garment around him and he jumped out into the water. He didn't just bob up down, he swam to Jesus. That's something, you know what that shows us? That shows us that God's grace is greater than all our sins. Amen. He wasn't afraid to come to him because he didn't know this. He is a God of mercy, and he's a God of forgiveness. And he jumped in that water, and he swam to Jesus. Verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were come to land... They saw a fire of coals there, and Jesus and fish laid thereon in bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Now that story we read earlier in Luke chapter 5 tells us that the net broke, right? But here in our text, it's mentioned that the net was not broken. Jesus said, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. I believe that these fish reference men. Before the resurrection, what happened? Many of them walked away and walked no more with him. When Jesus went to that cross, how many people did he have followed him? A handful. A handful. But now that he's resurrected, hey, 
John six thirty nine. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. John ten twenty eight. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm going to tell you something. Hey, we serve a powerful God. We serve a, we serve a God that saves to the uttermost, that saves completely. Whereas before, before his death, burial, and resurrection, Many believed because they thought he was the Messiah, but when they began to doubt, they just fell away from that belief altogether. Only a few. Only a few followed through. But after his resurrection, the nets were full. The nets were full. And there's still plenty of fish in the net. Amen. And that net's still catching them. Amen. Verse 12. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. He's saying this to the disciples as they're coming up. As Peter's dragging his wet carcass up onto the sand, and as they're coming in the boats, bringing the net, Jesus telling them, come and dine. Let's eat. It's breakfast time. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. He didn't look exactly like he did before his death. Well, he looked different after his resurrection. You know, women didn't recognize him. They thought he was the gardener. But they realized it was Jesus because nobody could do the things that this man had done but Jesus. Verse 13, that Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. I want you to see that. Jesus anticipates meeting with his disciples. He knows that this is going to happen. He's God. He knows what's going to happen. But what does he do? He makes breakfast. That's sweet. That's sweet. Amen? That shows you our heart of our Savior right there. He knew they'd all be getting. They're tired. They've been up all night. He knew that they were out there doing something futile. He knew all that was going to take place. And he just makes coal fires and starts cooking breakfast on the up there on the shore. He says, hey, y'all come eat. Y'all tired? Come on, let's eat. And Jesus comes and takes bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Everybody's standing there, got food in their hands, eating. It shows love and compassion. And it shows a desire to spend time with us. He wants to spend time with you every single day of your life. Do you realize that? He's a provider, too. It's a reminder that he supplied bread and fish to 5,000 people, and he supplied bread and fish to these men. And guess what? He can meet our needs, too. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. Verse 15, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord. Oh, I know he was heartless grieved. Don't you know his heart was grieved? When there he sits face to face with the one he's denied, the one he's, 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 he said he didn't know, the one he cussed about because he said he didn't know. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Do you love me, Peter? Now, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs, Peter. Feed my lambs, Peter. That's 
what I called you to do. I didn't call you to fish anymore, Peter. I called you to feed lambs. Verse 16. He says to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He says unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. He got upset. Hurt his feelings. Hurt his feelings. Because he said to him three times, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, and thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, my sheep. I see some things there. Number one, here they are all gathered around fire, just like he was that night when he denied him. Gathered around the fire with a whole crowd, just like he was that night. And three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? Three times. Why? Was it because Peter was hard of hearing? No. Was it because Jesus just liked to repeat himself? No. Because he had done it three times. So Peter Peter was asked the question three times to restore the three times he had said he didn't love the Lord and didn't know him. God is like that. God knows how we work. God made us. He knows how we function. And he knows that we have got to be restored holy. And that's what he was doing with Peter that I think it's a very clear lesson here. He reaffirmed Peter's love, even to the point of offending Peter. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the importance of repeated lessons. You know, it's good when we learn something the first time. Because I can tell you something, if you don't learn it the first time, God's going to take you right back around again. It's like a little child. You tell that little child, you put your, you, when you're done with your plate, you put it in the sink. And that child walks over and looks at that sink and sets it down somewhere. Comes back. Mom or daddy walks in. No, you march your hind end right back in there. And you get that plate. You go to the sink. That's where it goes. The child doesn't do it again. What do you do? You take them by the hand. You put the plate in their hand and you walk them right up to the sink. Lift them up. I put it in the sink. That's where it goes. A lot of times we're just like that. God has to do that with us to get us to learn a lesson so that we don't keep doing the same dumb things over and over and over again. But you know what else it shows me? It shows me that Jesus can restore us to being useful in his ministry. He can restore us to a good reputation in his kingdom even though we have grievously sinned against him. God is able, again, that he used David. I told you, I said that Wednesday night, David, if, if, if we had somebody in our church who was an adulterer and a murderer, we'd, have, we'd be looking at them sideways all the time if we even let them come to church here. So, man, I can't trust that guy. He killed, he killed his best friend and cheated, and, and cheated with his wife. We'd, man, we'd all be. We'd all have a problem with David if somebody was like that in our church. We're so harsh and we're so cold. And, and I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying it's, it's, it's a general rule. Christianity and Christendom, people are so harsh at judging on other people. God is not near as hard as we are. If a person is willing to repent, that's the key. 
And I believe Peter was. I can see that he was. God's grace is abundant to sinners who repent. God is is all about restoration. Verse 18, we're almost there. Verily, verily, which means of a truth, I say unto thee, he says this to Peter, he says, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. You did what you wanted to, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. We see here that Jesus knows our future. He knows all about us. And he revealed to Peter something when it suited his purpose to do so. Our lives are all under God's watchful care. Every step, every every inch of the way, he knows the end from the beginning. And I, and, and I, and I see in verse 20 through 23, and I, I, verse 20 especially. Then, all right, so Peter's taking all this in, okay? He, the, Lord's, the Lord's restored him by, by, by asking those questions those three times, and he's telling him that about, about, about his life and how it's going to end. And, and then Peter sits there a minute, and, I, and he's taking all this in, and it's rumbling all around his head. Then he turns around, and he kind of gives a side-eye glance to John. At least that's what I get from the Scriptures. Then Peter turning about. Where'd he go? Oh, there's John. Seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, wait, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth? That's a long way of describing John. Couldn't have said John, couldn't he? <laughs> but, but he went through all that. You know who said all that? You know who wrote all that down? That was John. He wanted you to know exactly who he was, amen? But he's, Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? I didn't like the way he said that. Sounded like he still had a bad crawl, something in his crawl. What shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If he tarried like come, what is it to thee? Follow thou me. What, is, what difference does it make what happens to him, Peter? I'm not here getting on him. Who did I get on? It was you, son. It wasn't him. Isn't that how we do? We like to deflect. Well, well, what about him? What about him? What about her? What about them? We're bad about that. No. God says, I'm talking to you. Ain't talking to nobody else. Jesus saith unto him, If I will, if it's my desire that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You ain't following him. Quit worrying about what he's doing. Right? You know what he's telling me there? Stay in your own lane. Everybody got a lane. Amen? Hebrews, what Hebrews chapter 12 talk about? Talking about we're running that race. Or the end of chapter, chapter 11. Talk about we're running that race. Okay? Stay in your lane. Quit worrying about what they're, how they're running or how they're running. You stay in your lane. Our eyes are to be on the finish line anyway. The author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is at the finish line. Peter had that same issue when he got out of the boat that night. Started walking on the waves, going to Jesus. What happened? He turned his eyes to the right hand and to the left, and he seen the wind and the waves, and he started to sink. He had a problem with looking straight ahead. 
And I think there's a lot of Christians who have that same problem. We're too worried about what Sister So-and-So is doing or what Brother So-and-So is doing, and we're not focusing on what we're doing. So if he will that I, if I will that he carry, carry till I come, what is that to thee? Then went this thing abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he carry till I come, what is that to thee? Now you know what I'm going to tell you. Tell you something. He did carry till then. So how did he do that? Well, on the Isle of Patmos, Jesus Christ. Revealed to him everything that was going to happen. That's what that last book in the Bible is called Revelation is all about. It's the revelation that he got on that island, and God supernaturally took him out outside his body, his spirit, through all that, and showed him the entire future all the way through the end. He lived it all, experienced it all in his spirit. So yes, he carried because Jesus came. He saw it all. He saw the coming of Christ. He saw his second coming. He saw the end. He saw the great white throne. He saw the very end. He saw heaven. He experienced it all in the vision. And I close with, with 24 and 25, which simply says this. This is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That's, that, that, that verse amazes me so. Because that tells me when we get to heaven, there's so much more about Jesus we don't even know that we're going to get to know. So many more stories that we'll hear the disciples will tell and Jesus will tell. We'll just get to hear so many other things that took place. But praise God for the ones that we do get to see, when the ones that we do get to read about. And we get to see the heart of our Savior revealed and how tender and lovingly he brought back one who had so harshly and callously denied him. We serve a mighty good God. And, and you know... I've said this before, but I'm going to say this again as I close. Are you backslidden? I don't know, but I can ask you some questions. I heard Dr. John Rice ask these questions many years ago on a cassette date. He said, are you as close to God right now as you've ever been in your whole life? Think that over. Are you as close to God now as you've ever been in your entire life? If you can't say yes, then you are a backslider. Are you enjoying and getting more out of your Bible today than you ever have in your past? If not, you're a backslider. Is your prayer life better today than it's ever been in your life? If not, you're a backslider. But the good news is, is that God's in the business of restoring backsliders. Matter of fact, that's his regular business. So I urge you this morning, if, if the Holy Spirit of God has touched a place in you and said, hmm, that's you, I urge you to do business with the Lord. I don't. I, I, I think maybe we, we've 
get to the end of the service and maybe everybody's ready to go and maybe we don't want to cause a scene or, or have people talking about us when we leave. I'm going to tell you, all that stuff's meaningless. You do business with God. If he's talking to you, do business with God. Don't tell him to hush. I'll tell you right now, that's one of the worst things a person can ever do is tell God to hush. Tell God to not bother you because you know what? He'll quit. I want God to bother me. I want God to show me what I need to change. I want to be more of what he wants me to be, and I hope that's your desire too. Let's stand together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.